You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hey all, Bayou Benders here to talk about DraftKings. The tournament is finally here. The bracket has been set and the teams are ready to hit the court. And DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy, is celebrating with the largest free basketball survivor pool ever. How large? $1 million in total prizes are up for grabs. That's how large. And if that's not enough, check this out. When you enter the free DraftKings $1 million survivor pool, you could get a shot at winning $10,000 for every upset throughout the first two rounds of the tournament. It's easy to play. Just pick one team per day. If they survive, you advance to the next round. Last person standing is the winner. Remember, you can only pick a team once for the entire tournament, so choose wisely. DraftKings is a safe and secure app. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Get in on all this week's action. Download the DraftKings app now. Enter code THPN during sign-up and enter the free $1 million survivor pool. Again, that's code THPN to enter into DraftKings' free $1 million survivor pool. Eligibility restrictions and terms and conditions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Hello, you're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Corey, a.k.a. Bayou Benders, alongside Mason Dixon, and this is Habs Nightly, your hub for Habs content. Welcome back to another episode of Habs Nightly. I think it's like episode 30 of season two now, or 31. But uh, it, how you doing, Mason? I'm pretty fucking good. The weather's been beautiful up here in southern Ontario. And, uh, you know, first day of spring was yesterday. Usually spring means we're going into the playoffs, but we still got quite a few regular season hockey games to go. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing pretty good. How are you, buddy? I'm doing good. It's been like a nice 55 degrees with a uh, a lot of a lot of wind, and it's I love that. I ain't sweating in that type of jerk, you know, in that type of situation. So I'm loving it right now. I could go yeah. out and walk all day and not sweat. Yeah, I I love spring. Springtime weather is my favorite, personally. Like it's it's not too hot, but like it's not cold. You can go out there and just wear like whatever and you're fine right i like uh, i like the fall version of it just because i like the colors but it's it's basically the same feel you know outside yeah but i feel like fall's more depressing because i'm like fuck i'm leaving summer but spring (laughs) i'm like hey i got summer to look forward to like it's because you're in college dude when you get into when you get into like just work something doesn't mean shit anymore fair enough you're just young fucking I was looking outside though, and just dreaming of the golf courses with this weather. And we got to talking a little bit before this, and I am so envious of you living in the fucking south because some of the golf courses down there are just so goddamn beautiful. Like the, the ones up here, just do not compare. I wonder why. Um, is it is it just because the weather? 
right? So it's like you're just limited to a, a certain amount of time you can go. And the South is like, if I mean, fuck. Even if it's raining, I guess you could go, you know. Um, well, golf's a lot bigger in the U.S. too. Mm-hmm. It's also cheaper. But, you know, we also don't have to worry about fucking alligators. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So, like, the South has a bunch of very pretty golf courses like Florida. And I think there's, like, a couple in Georgia that are really, like, the namesakes of the South. But, like, where I live, uh, we have, like, where they do the Zurich Classic. And I don't know technically what the name of the golf course is. But it's on the PGA, whatever the fuck it would be called. Um and I love this course because it's like true bayou. It's true like Louisiana fucking like what you would expect from a Louisiana golf course. And it's it's in the marshes of like the West Bank. It's just deep in the fucking woods. You got to get off the interstate and drive past a bunch of acres of fucking just woodland. And then there's just a, an outlet road that brings you to the golf course that's in the middle of it. And um, it's got fucking alligators and um, – we set up every year for the Zurich Classic, and it's fun because you you bring these uh, these state bodies out there, and you had to drive on the the little caddy, I don't know the the little golf cart um, tracks, and you end up stopping a lot because of the fucking alligators like moving from pond to pond, and uh, it, it's just like the perfect uh, Bayou esque golf course for that. It's always fucking like. The humidity's trash. There's fucking <laughs> mosquitoes everywhere. The Zurich Classic's always getting fucking rained on. And then there's just alligators every fucking way. And see, I have, like, a question. Like, you we were talking before this, and you were saying that, like, oh, fuck, yeah, there's alligators everywhere in the bayou. So, like, as a kid, if you're, like, going to, like, just swim in, like, a lake or a pond or something, are you, like fucking terrified of alligators like does that go on through your mind well, like 100 percent, because the fucking adults who know whether or not there's shit in here oh like, y'all gotta watch out for the fucking alligators and then bull sharks because we got bull sharks too what so the fuck's like a bull shark it's like one of the most aggressive fucking sharks. oh is that the shark that can go in like fresh water i think so i i'm not a shark expert but i can tell you that these things are like the the number one like when you hear like a shark attack, like it's, a it's, it's normally a fucking bull shark. <laughs> like they're very territorial. They don't give a fuck what it is. Like if it's in its area, it's going to fucking go. It might even leave its area to fucking attack something. But, uh, but yeah, growing up, if you get in a fucking lake, your immediate thoughts, because you, your parents are always like, you know, shark or fucking alligator. And then you're, you know, basically fucking going through a midlife crisis at like seven just like i don't know how to swim fast enough you know but uh but yeah i would think that everybody is probably scared shitless especially as a young kid whether or not this body of water has either or jesus yeah people so like adults do you, down here just take take the reins on fucking with people so you're saying you don't you don't go and you don't see a pond and be like hey let's go swimming that's Fuck not a no. No, 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 I'm not. I'm like, mm, I'd rather look at a, a very blue pool, like, uh, because the water down here is not pretty, you know, it's not, it's no. not anything special to look at. It's brackish water, it's like brown, and brown holds mystery under it, you know. So for me, <laughs> it's always like, I don't fucking think so. So, even like, so, like, 
do you have guys that like because i know here like if there's a body of water in the summertime there's someone sitting at the bank casting a line into it or oh, no 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 100 no 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 everybody fucking fishes down here uh where we're at it's called like the sportsman's paradise like you can yeah you can hunt you know deer you can fucking shrimp you can you know catch catfish any type you know and try with all that shit well i guess, I guess what i'm asking is, is it, are they fishing on the shoreline Fuck yeah yeah every everybody yeah. anywhere there's a body of water that connects to anything they'll fish like people will fish in the canals because everything's like in a way connected like if they know for sure this is connected to an outlet they'll fish the fucking canals like they don't give a fuck down here it's it's so more how a, a often are the fucking like know? alligator attacks or are they kind of rare they're kind of rare because truthfully like you normally at least fucking see them you know they like yeah they they're very they can be slow and shit like that but like i don't it's not like i don't see a lot of people like uh like that wade fishing or whatever it is where you like go stand in the fucking water like <laughs> you're like 100% standing on like a levee or a bank you know so like the chances of it running up on you you have this you you have all the time in the world to see this thing coming at you and if you get bit you know it's either because you weren't paying attention or this dude like came from behind flanked you like so you're saying that for the most part there's like a respect of don't fuck with the alligators kind of deal well not really, because you got your fucking college kids who are like, oh, you know, like, let's do it for the fucking the vine and shit and would like jump in the water with the alligators. And then you got the people that are like going towards like Baton Rouge that like predominantly hunt alligator as as sport. And then like there's the dumb idiots that fucking sit in the water like, look at me. There's an alligator right here. I don't give a fuck. I got balls of steel, you know, like just <laughs> <laughs> it's a whirlpool down here i grew up being afraid to lose digits you know or, or like limbs so i don't want to fuck with them but you know there's the crazier people that are like ain't gonna hurt nobody or i'm faster than it so you know so I you got, don't have any uh alligator stories for me uh i mean i do so like we got this little duck park at it's like in the middle of our community and it's it's a uh, i'm blanking on the fucking name of it it doesn't even matter because everyone calls it the fucking duck park uh because there's ducks right so there's ducks and geese and shit and you used to go throw bread at them which is terrible for them now we found out but um it's got this nice little like canal-esque water way that through like hurricanes has given it more you know like more water has filled it it's 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 kind of like a circle like a lazy river but it looks like just Bayou-esque. Well, I remember when I was a kid, uh, ducks started fucking disappearing. And uh, apparently what had happened is not too far from it, there's a canal. So I guess the alligator came up on the bank of the canal, walked through the bit of uh, woods that we have, <laughs> lost the fucking street and went into this and became its home and was eating all the fucking ducks. And... Uh, <laughs> They had to shut the fucking park down because some kids were just hanging out at the park and just watched a duck go straight on the water and never come back up. So they, you know, his parents phoned the police and they pulled out like it wasn't the biggest alligator, but I think they pulled out like a, it was like like four feet, five feet, something like that. Buddy was eating good. Yeah, it was just knocking back the duck population. That's funny. 
yeah I'm, so uh so that that's like that's like the type of shit your parents would tell like you go to the duck park now and someone who grew up hearing that's probably like let's that kid get closer to the fucking water and be like there's alligators in there and then the kid fucking just about shit <laughs> himself you know and it runs the fuck off screaming i think that's like a parent's job though is to just terrify their children oh yeah so like i mean here's another one so like when i went and did my cdl training um we went through like some of like we you get off the interstate and go through some of the, the back roads and shit to, to show you how to, you know, tight turns and shit like that. But when you get on the fucking back roads, it's all marshland. So there's alligators crossing the fucking streets. So like you're in this big ass semi and you got to stop because this big ass motherfucker is just laid up, you know, and then yeah, you can't back <laughs> up any small, narrow ass street. So you're stuck there waiting on this big motherfucker to move. And like, so they almost seen as like a nuisance. I mean, they can be because they definitely can be invasive in the terms of like just looking for new like land or new water to like so they're, claim. They're like exploratory, like they yeah, were... like you could see more in like uh, like it was actually not that long ago. So we have what's called like the North Shore, where like all like the rich kids live and shit, and uh, they have a lot of houses that are built on the back of a of like a channel way that goes out into uh i think lake pontchartrain so like houses like that you'll see these big motherfuckers come up on land and just start walking through backyards they, <laughs> they don't have anything fenced in because it's all connected to a dock system you know so they got these big motherfuckers just walking around the streets and shit uh florida's got it a hell of a lot worse because you know, because they have the Everglades and shit like that, you, you'd see them a lot more being a little bit more invasive. But you see more alligators just freely walking around than like, I guess, attacks anymore, because okay. I don't think people are people are dumb enough to still do it. But like people are still cautious, you know, so That's I fair. think I think it's gone down a bit. Yeah, see, I fuck. I'm so sheltered. But yeah, I, no, because you you had asked you were like, uh, <laughs> you uh, I forgot how I brought it up. I was like, yeah, but they they like, I, oh, I think you you had asked if like they they overpopulate, and yeah, you know, like once a every season as like an alligator season, and they they can hunt them and fucking you know thin the thin the crowd down. Yeah, see, that's wild to me, because I'm fucking Ontario, like probably the most deadly animal. It's like a fucking moose. Oh, well. well if you because if you hit, you hit a moose, you're not hitting the moose. The moose is hitting you. Right. <laughs> they're, they're fucking huge. But yeah, like there's nothing. There, there's no fucking <laughs> snakes. Like there's like garter snakes and. Milks. Oh, we got snakes. Yeah, I'm more. Yeah, I think you're I think more of a chance to, to get hurt by a snake or a fucking spider than an alligator. alligator. I think because because like an alligator, at least you can see it. You know, yeah. you can kind of anticipate that coming yeah the only thing like i think there's only one poisonous snake in canada and it's like the mississauga rattler mm. and i've fucked like fuck if i've seen a rattlesnake yeah we got water moccasins what the fuck are those it's, it's a, a poisonous snake that fucking skims the top layer of the water and just will dart at you if it's being territorial yeah so there's just no swimming i guess in louisiana uh, people love to swim. I was a kid who grew up because they everyone made me scared of the shit. So I don't like to swim in the in the, the shit water. I want to go to like water. Florida where the water's blue and I can see. Granted, I can't see the fucking jellyfish, you know. But like, I'd rather 
I'd rather be able to look at look down and see what see what's going on. I don't like the unknown. Fair enough. Well, moving on from deadly wildlife and terrifying alligator stories, um, Montreal. Finally, we talk about monsters. You can say Montreal finally kind of beat the boogeyman. And we won a game in our reverse retro jerseys and in overtime. And fuck, did that ever feel good to watch? Corey, I know you were out last night, so you were watching on your phone a little bit. Yeah, that was tough. She... That was tough because this was the game to watch, truthfully. And I think what makes it even better – not to cut you off, I'm sorry, um, is that we lost an OT the night before, you know, or the game before. So it's like – We were 0-9. We still have <laughs> more overtime losses than we do regulation. Oh, if I think – I think Prior to well, this we got game, two? What's that? I think this is our second win in OT. No, it's our first. Jesus. Let's our go. first win in overtime. If Why we had not? won – Prior to this game, if we had have won three – out of those nine games, we would have been tied for um, – no, it would have been second with games in hand on first. How are you? That's how That's how close it is right now. Mm-hmm. With this win, we are actually only five points out of first with games in hand. Very nice. And the Toronto Maple Leafs are slumping, let me tell you. Yeah, like one in, uh, one in six, something like that. Yeah, huh? but Woo! I want to kind of move back to this game. Uh, there's a lot to talk about. Um, high scoring game became a goaltender's battle in overtime in the shootout. Mm-hmm. But I want to highlight the play of Jonathan fucking Drew in because oh my god, this is his year, dog. <laughs> he is not scoring, but trust me, it's it's gonna pick up <clears throat> if he keeps playing the way he he is. And with that, those moves, plural, that he put on in overtime, we were debating this before. You said you would have liked to see him maybe pass it. I went, no, you got – like, if you undress two guys like that, you've got to fucking shoot. And honestly, I love his mindset kind of turning to shoot. Last night he shot a bit more. And I just think, you know, the shooting percentage is going to balance out. I'm not sure what it is right now. I think he's sub 10% shooting percentage. Like, it's pretty poor. So, if he can start getting some puck luck, oh, Drew N, he's already a point per game, like, the last eight with assists. If he can add some goals to that, we're going to see a totally different player than we did last year. Like, I'm just I'm just so happy because it's like he's, like, silencing, like, the the media and the fans that have just – done nothing but want to move him, you know, or or just, just bring him down. And he's finally found his rhythm. And, uh, dude, like, you're – like, how can you not be excited? Like, you can not like this guy because of the way he played or or has, has you know, did you dirty in a sense, you know, as a fan in the past. But it's like he's finally with a competent line. And it's – he's he's just trying his hardest. And I can't – I can't knock down some guy for fucking absolutely, you know, changing his his game, his way he plays, and and be what we need. You know, he's stepping yeah. up, and that, and that was the biggest thing we've talked about in the past. And 
The and, I mean, kudos to being on the top line right now. Yeah, for sure. And the kind of resurgence of this Tatar Dano Gallagher line. Mm-hmm. The last two games, last game they played really well, and tonight it was just a different beast. They produced a lot of offense. They were great defensively. Like we talked for quite a, like the last three years about how this line was one of the best in the NHL. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, rightfully so. We criticized them a lot this year and we were kind of moving on, but Ducharme went back with them and I questioned it a lot. I was pretty upset. Holy fuck, was he right though? Um, I don't know if you saw much of their play, but Deneau was phenomenal. Great offensively too. Tatar put up a couple points that game. Gallagher got no points, but in typical Gallagher fashion, two of the goals were created by him, mm-hmm. either standing in front of the net, going in on the four check. Um, this game, like Vancouver had some nice shots. Price didn't play his greatest. Like I think he let in two goals he probably shouldn't have, but two mm-hmm. were unavoidable. Well, the, I think it's what, Bo Horvat? <clears throat> like just. Um, Besser. Besser, Besser shots Besser. Of fucking. Jesus. But I think that we kind of saw Montreal in a way return to the form of last year or not last year. Um, the last month where they were playing great, fast mm-hmm. hockey. And I just, this was a huge, I can't stress how big of a game this was for Montreal. Not only did we take three points from Vancouver, but we also um, got the momentum. And I think the momentum going into this next stretch we're going on here, we have three games against Edmonton, three games against the Senators. Uh, They're all must win. I think every game right now is a must win game, but especially with Edmonton, we're battling with them for a playoff spot. And I don't think any team can afford to lose to the Senators right now. You're right. You're right. And truthfully, I think, uh, I know Edmonton has kind of warmed up and shit, but I I still think Ottawa is going to be our biggest challenge. Uh, they just play such a such a heavy a heavy style. Um, that that's just my opinion. But but a little bit back to that game though. Um, I love that the lines back together, and yeah, like the uh, the, the game previous bit concerning of it. But it's like I feel like Ducharme <laughs> almost let them see the world without that line, and yeah, the, there was great moments in it. Um, you know. But to bring them back together, if you listen to Brendan Gallagher's after uh, his after game comments, um, he was just excited. To, uh, he said that, you know, uh, those three have been playing together for so long and to have the to have the line back together, like it almost like felt like there was like a, a rejuvenation, like a, a pep in the step, like they were excited to play together together again. And maybe that's that's what they needed. You know, they needed a little bit of uh something to jumble up the lines a little bit, move them around to, to just see how much, I guess that line, you know, his line mates meant to him and that line for, for them in general. So maybe that was why we saw, you know, uh, a bit of, a bit of dominance, a bit of, you know, life back into that line, you know, once Ducharme put them back together. And uh, I don't know, I think Brendan Gallagher, uh, if you listen to his fucking post games there, he's got to be like, one of the most nicest teammates, you know, in the fucking. Well, did you game. see him fucking rubbing Kakaniemi's head for? Yeah. Okay. Luck. So I wanted to get into that. Uh, I have it written. So, um, I, 
I don't remember who asked him. Um, it might have been John, uh, John Lou, but John Lou. So basically, uh, they they had brought it up, and he said that normally it would. Uh, the last time this was brought up, uh, it was Kale Flurry, and he would rub Kale Flurry's head every time for a shootout. And uh, he was like, "Well, Kale Flurry's not on the team right now." And um, he was like, "I just remembered this right as we were going into the shootout. That you know, like this was kind of like his." his superstitious thing and he remembered it and he just like grabbed Suzuki uh uh Kakaniemi and just rubbed his fucking head and um I well, mean you, with him with him being superstitious I imagine this is gonna be we're gonna see this from now on. You know, oh you're now always, that he remembered it. You're never not gonna see it now. Especially yeah. the reactions on that bench and I don't know if you saw Price kind of literally not rubbing the monkey off his back mm-hmm. like this team they understood what kind of a slump they were in they understood what like what this game meant and fuck did they ever show up and just it was a battle back win for the boys um and you know i just think it's it's a game we would not have won two weeks ago no and so, um they even asked Brennan gallagher you know like was this the most important win of the season and of course, he's going to say that you know the next game is going to be the most important, and then the following one, you know. But, but like truthfully, like I think as we look at it from the outside, this was definitely the important one because this was this was something. No matter where we were at, you know, even in the beginning when we were dominating, if we got into OT, we were not winning. You know, this was something that we had to conquer. And yeah, it's only it's one and on, but you know, like we found a way to do it, and I think that is you know going to relieve a lot of the players. It's going to make. Uh, Ducharme's system going into OT a lot stronger. Um, the previous game, you know, everyone on Twitter was saying, why didn't we pass the puck back to Carey Price and play it off of him to, you know, to get players on the ice, to get back regrouped. We saw that in uh, in our last game. Um, I just think that the, the team is listening to Ducharme and it's working, you know, and it's obviously this shit's working. We got our fucking first OT win. And I still think we're gonna scrape into the playoffs with like 15 OT losses, but <laughs> I'm holding I'm holding tight to that one, you know. Yeah, and you know, as much as I hate the shootout, that was actually the longest shootout of the year this year. Hmm. And what a fucking thriller! I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. Corey Perry, Corey Perry, not talked goal. enough about last night. Holy shit! Like, still got it, like. He still got hands. You can't take away the man's hands. And that was almost a Kucherov-esque. Like, he didn't even touch the puck and faked him out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just uh, it was magical. <laughs> fucking Thomas Tatar. Some slick mitts on that guy. <laughs> oh, my Lord. He undressed Holtby. Just man. no chance. And you could see it in his eyes when they, they showed a replay and it, like, the camera pans on, on Braden Holtby. And it's just like, you can just see, like, it was gone, you know, like he knew, oh, yeah. he, he knew it was, it was, that was the end of it, you know? Um, yeah. And I actually, another quote from Gallagher in that post game interview, he said, once price let that first goal and you could see in his eyes, he wasn't letting in wasn't, another one. Yep. Um, what, I, what I also like about let, let's, let's save the Brendan Gallagher. Cause I'll talk about how, like this dude is, bred to be like the Canadians, you know, like if, if Shea Weber was to leave, it would instantly go to Brennan Gallagher. But um, 
he sticks up for his team. He's like the number one guy that is always going to be there for his team. Um, Carey Price in the media is so fickle. You know, like you can see it in his post his post game talks. He doesn't really want to fucking be there, and I don't blame him. You know, they, they're always so hard on the goalies. Um, but Brendan Gallagher, every time someone asks a question about you know how his play is, he does nothing but back his team, and I think that is like one of the best qualities of Brendan Gallagher. And someone even went to Suzuki went in on Suzuki last night. Uh, you know, first off, Suzuki scores basically the same goal. Um, twice, um, you know, uh, of a previous game, but the, the interviewer kind of asked, um, you know, like he scored that goal and then kind of, um, it kind of got away from the game, got away from him. And Brendan Gallagher was just like, look, you know, like, uh, he's any, any person in the game. He's like, I don't matter who, it doesn't matter who they are. Sidney Crosby, uh, Connor McDavid, they're going to have slip ups. They're going to have an off you know, something's not going to go right for them. And it's not, it's not as big of a deal as you're making it out to be. And I just think Brendan Gallagher is going to battle for his team on and off the ice, no matter what, you know? Yeah. I, um, it's funny you highlight Shea Weber. Cause I do want to talk about like, not to kind of bash or anything, but like, I thought he played fine last night, but, I think we got to start a little being a little bit worried, right? Mm-hmm. He just seems like he's always been slow, but there's just something wrong. His decision-making isn't great. And I don't know. I just, I, I just get the vibe that there's something not right. And, you know, I don't want to just be the person that just hates on Weber because Weber's had his critics since he got traded for Subban, it's purely because he got traded for Subban. I think it's clear we won that trade. I don't think that's going to change because everyone points towards Weber's cap hit. The New York, the New, New York, the New Jersey Devils are paying PK Subban nine million dollars a year right now. That's a fucking shit contract. Now Weber's might be worse because it's longer, but. In terms of hamstringing us now, we wouldn't even be able to have PK on the roster right now. Mm-hmm. So you could kiss Perry goodbye. You could kiss a lot of players goodbye. They wouldn't be on the team. Yeah. But I do think there is some cause for concern because maybe he's just playing too many minutes. You know, Weber's old. We got to, we can't, like, he's 30, what, 36 time- years old. Every time I hear something about Shea Weber and it'd be negative, and I'm not saying you're going to something negative. I just like instead of me being like trying to point the figure at him, I just always think like why, why not move him down to the second line? And that's where exactly. Uh, the second, where I'm, I'm sorry, not that. line. I always say fucking line with the defense, but why not move him down? You know, take that's a little what I'm pressure saying, off yeah. of him. The second pairing. I'm glad because... we're agreeing. You know, this episode. Oh, I totally. Agree. <laughs> it's not a it's not a god awful Suzuki take. It has some logic to it. Um, no, and that's where I was going with that because Petrie has proven that he ages like a fine fucking wine and he seems up to the task. Kulak looks like a different player with him. He looks like a top four defenseman. He was very capable. Put mm-hmm. them on the top line, move Weber down because realistically Peachtree plays more minutes anyway. And I just, you know, give Weber the easier assignments. He can shut down a second line, like no tomorrow. And 
maybe he'll just need some rest and then you can put him back on the top pairing. But he just looks worn out. That's the best way I could describe mm-hmm. it. And I mean, truthfully, you know, you never hear about like these injuries, especially like if it's a minor injury they can play through. Like especially maybe there's just something Mark. that's that's just small enough to be, you know, a nuisance in his game, or it could be a reoccurring injury that's never gonna get better, but he plays through it. But still, like there's no reason if he's struggling, move him down, you know, like give him a break. You know, that's what we saw with the with the Gallagher, you know, the first line that's now our second line right now. You know, we gave them a break. We let them move down a slot and they've been playing better. You know, they they seem happier, you know, especially with them united again. But like it gives them a chance to 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 not be as important of a role with with new added guys that can be just as important. And I think uh, with the the rise of of Petrie, um, I don't see why you you not let Petrie go into that first role and just take a little bit off of Weber. It'll keep him in the game longer. Exactly. No, I'm, we're totally in agreement on that. I just think it's not only smart asset management for the future, but I think it just makes more sense now in the way they're playing. Um, no, you're, you're 100% right. Um, I almost feel like – and it's it's not like – the biggest stat, you know, but like, I feel like because they have Edmondson playing along Weber, like his ridiculous uh, plus minus is, is going to go down a bit. Um, and that's just my hot take for the episode. But oh, uh, I think anyone who plays the Chef Petrie is going to look better than they are. hundred um, percent. One while we're, while we're talking about him, great snipe, great snipe. Definitely thought it went oh, off of Gallagher. I thought it was Tatar that scored that. Um, great snipe. And then afterwards, if if you saw it on Twitter, they were showing like the bench like erupt after the OT win, and there's no emotion. <laughs> and Joel Edmondson, he's just sitting. Yeah, he's just sitting. Just there. so focused in, like just still taking it in, and everybody else around him just like losing their fucking minds. He's just such a unreal. Uh, like unique guy on this team, and, and I'm so happy that he's here. You know, I remember we were so nervous and anxious when he came aboard. Like, what what role could he possibly be? And I just love where he's at right now. You know, he's he's a contributor uh, everywhere at this point. You know, um, and it's just when he gets when he scores, it's just like fuck yeah. You know, it's it's almost like rubbing in the face. Like, why didn't the memes come out last night? But um, while I'm thinking about it, uh. Tala Toffoli, you know, uh, I, I have yet to find any update, uh, but, uh, you know, he's, he didn't play the last game with the lower body. We did get to see Lekkanen come back, and that was – He's um, day-to-day, mm-hmm. and I'm pissed because I, I traded for him in my fantasy league, and then it got announced two hours later. So that was a fucking piss off. That's a good trade, but definitely – when it comes to fantasy, you need that you need them numbers right now, and I get it. Um, I traded I traded Barzell and Kubalik for him. Ooh, shit! Man. And then picked up I picked up and I got Zach Hyman to fully drop to fully picked up Bjorkstrand. Okay. But yeah, so fantasy aside, like fucking real hockey, I hope yeah. hopefully he's okay. I hope he's okay. You, I I know you saw the target in in the the previous game. They like uh this is like Tyler, Tyler Mott just like punched him in his fucking head. Like someone was holding to Foley. Yeah. And someone just like w- w- ran up on him and just fucking socked him. 
No, no, I don't think it was Toffoli. That was um. I know what you're talking about. It was Jake Vertanen. It was um. I think it was Suzuki that got punched. I didn't think it was Toffoli. Maybe I'm wrong, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Um. Um. But I just feel like they they don't want him to do what they've done before, and I feel like Tyler's been targeted ever since. Oh, probably a little bit. Yeah, you've got it. That's obviously in the back of your mind when a guy literally fucking owns your team the way Tyler Myers does. But oh, I do want to. Um, I want to talk about. You brought up Connor McDavid, mm-hmm. and holy shit, are we in for a show? Like when we're playing in this series against the fuck against the uh, Oilers. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the stats this guy's putting up lately? Like I, we've always known he was good at hockey. But Connor McDavid is on a new fucking planet right now. 60 points in 34 games. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. He's I'm pulling it up right now. <laughs> just fucking ridiculous. The top player in fantasy hockey right now. He's got oh, more shit. points than Andre, Andre Vasilevsky, which if you play fantasy, you have to goalies are king. Yeah. So that's insane. Um. He's just on another fucking planet. And wow. when you say think the Sens game is going to be harder, I have to disagree because Connor McDavid has been single-handedly winning games for the Edmonton Oilers lately. If he doesn't win the heart, it will be a fucking travesty. <laughs> and I was watching, I was even watching the Oilers win a play game last night. And I actually don't know how it, um, how it turned out, mm-hmm. but the first goal the Oilers scored, Connor McDavid passed the puck from the, like you're watching on TV, the far side of the net, like the right. the right of the goalie, skated all the way around, got the rebound on his like offside, spun on his knees and fired it top shelf snipe. And that's, that's what this guy's been doing lately. So like I'm terrified that McDavid is going to steal some games for the Edmonton Oilers. And I think this is going to be a big opportunity for Philip Deneau to show that he is back in form for good. Cause if he can, you're not going to shut down McDavid ever, mm-hmm. especially not now, but if you can limit him and frustrate him and make his life a living hell, the way we know Deneau can Montreal can take these games. Like that it's it'll be crucial. Like we're gonna rely on Deneau, I think, in this this series against Edmonton more than we have at any point in the year so far. So I'm looking at his his um his last five games. Um, what's he got? Ten points. Fucking. Uh, so he's got in in the five. He's got four goals, and if he's not fucking scoring, oh, he is scoring. He's got fucking six six points. Yeah, so, 10 points. 10 fucking points. Easy. Yeah, he's on a different planet right now. So I think Dano is going to be – Dano and Price are going to have to fucking bring their A game because, I, you know, you, you might say a defenseman. No defenseman stopping him. No. Like you're not, he's going to score against Montreal. He's going to put up points. It's just about making his life a living hell. Very, very big challenge in that line. Um, and three games in a row at that. But 
we've seen that that team get fleeced, and um, I don't think I don't think we're gonna do it all three games. But I think we need to we need to definitely win one game and possibly steal another, or at least make it to OT. You know, I, we have to we have to walk out of there with at least three to four points. Definitely. Um. But I mean, I looked. I looked at like where we're standing in the league the other day um, after last night's win, and uh, we jumped up to 13th, and that's it's pretty awesome for where we're at because I, I believe we were at 16 before this. Because every there's there's just such a, a big grouping of uh, I think we're at 37 points now, but um, like there was just a, a mass grouping of 36, 37, 38. So we're just get a, get another win. You know, we could see us moving even higher. Um, you know, for our division, though, we're we're kind of locked in where we're at for just a bit. Um, if we win, and I think uh, is it is it Winnipeg or the Oilers that is that are right above us? But uh, I know that like we have a one point separation unless they played, and I did not see it after last night. But um, I think we're looking good. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I think that the most important thing that happened in this last game was that OT victory, um, because that's gonna, you know, like you said, the momentum's back. But it's back in a better way because now we have, we have that lifted off of us, and that's something that we struggled, even in the beginning. So that's a, that's a new accomplishment for this team. You know, we can go to OT and lose, but you know we got that one victory. So every time we go into OT now, we'll be even more hungrier. You know, we'll be more loose and, and more ready. And I think we'll play with more confidence too. I think mm-hmm. the last few times we were very passive and we lost because we had no confidence. Like they thought they were going to lose. Right. And, and you can, you can see head. like they were just scrambling to try to find ways to to get this offense rolling again. But it's it's just been so, you know, wishy washy. And I, I'm glad that we got that win because now it's like, OK, we found a way that it'll work, even though it was in the shootout. Um, but we found a way that works for us. And I think that's that's going to loosen us up and give us a lot more confidence going into it. Yeah, definitely. You sent me Drew Land dancing. That is so fucking filthy. <laughs> that should have been a goal. But I mean, if we could perform like that, if we can find, you know, elements like that to heighten our game in OT, that, that is that is a goal, you know, against most goalies, most situations. Yeah, but I think, like I said, his shooting percentage is going to come back and we're going to see him pot some goals here pretty quickly. But uh, I think I think that's probably going to wrap things up for today, unless you had anything else to add. Uh, Very small thing. I know you got to go. Such a busy, busy young man. And that's that's how you're going to succeed in life is to be busy right now. Uh, We'll just bring it up because there's not much information on it right now. Eric Ingles the other day pointed out that um, the decision to for Jordan Harris to join the Canadians is in his hands. The Canadians want him to play. They'd be uh, interested in burning a one year on his contract. For, for him this season. Did um, we not sorry, did we not talk? I thought we talked about this last episode. That's why I didn't no, bring it up. No, we did not. Uh I think oh, it happened fine. right after. No, no, no. That's why I said we could bring it up now. And then if something new develops by uh our Wednesday when we meet again, we can bring it back up. But uh the Canadians are very interested in this. Um and the same thing goes with you know Cole Caulfield, but he's still going on with the um uh, the frozen four, which is what Harris is going on too, but um, the Canadians have showed interest in Harris uh, up to burning a year off his contract to bring him in as soon as he's capable of. 
Um, you know, Harris is, as of the 19th, was going to go meet with his advisor and his family on making the decision. Um, so as early as today, we can find out if he'll sign and take that uh, that mandatory 14-day quarantine and then join us. Well, yeah, and I think part of it is because you want to lock up that prospect because Harris mm-hmm. doesn't play, doesn't sign this year. He can go into unrestricted free agency next year. Right. And we've seen a few guys take that route in college. I'm really hopeful he doesn't because he's a phenomenal prospect. And I don't know. Personally, I've always thought that was a little sleazy to just never play for the team that drafted you. Right. But also, it's important to sign him because we fucking need him. We still need a puck-moving defenseman so desperately. Matthias Ekholm is a pipe dream, and I think we'd overpay for him as much as I want him. And I don't know if he'd solve all our problems. He's also old. I think Jordan Harris is a guy that could potentially slot right into our lineup. And, like, he's a guy to be excited about. We don't talk about him as much because he's in the NCAA. And his name isn't Cole Caulfield. But he's a legitimate top four prospect for our team. Right. And um, I kind of I kind of mess up on that. Uh, Northeastern is not participating in the Frozen Four. So that's why the Canadians are trying to lock in Harris right now. And Cole Caulfield hasn't been brought up because he is participating in the frozen four. So that would be within like three weeks before we could really find out that. Um, But yeah, so that'd be really awesome to bring in uh, Harris, you know, hopefully after this episode comes out, we have a new, new shit to talk about with Harris coming into next episode. But uh, I guess that's just to help you guys give you all a little look into what, what is to come especially next episode to talk about. Yeah, for sure. But uh, I know you got to go. You got to go be Mr. Manager and fucking kill it at work. Um, but, yeah, we can we can, we can can log out for today. This has been a really fun episode, I'm not going to lie. Um, but uh, I, I fucking started it. I might as well take us out. Uh, thank you so much, folks. This has been Habs Nightly. Uh, please give us a follow at Habs Nightly and at Bayou Benders. Um, if you really like what you, what you hear, please follow us um, and give us a five-star rating. That shit really means a lot to us, especially getting us out into more people's ears. We've finally reached 550 followers on Twitter, and that's super big for us. We're probably closer to 600 at this point. But we just want to thank you all so much for, for being a part of us and listening to us, you know, weekly um please also if you're interested in any other team thpn is your source for all hockey we have every team and like 10 to 12 fucking you know just hockey um non-related nhl podcasts to listen to that is super fun like terry ryan who just had biz nasty on the other day uh that's tales with tr but uh thank you guys so much for listening and we cannot wait to talk to you guys again on thursday so you guys have a great week and we'll talk to y'all soon you're listening to the hockey podcast network new shows every day find us at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from i'm cory francois i'm richie suave flores and this is sporty with cory and richie suave on the hockey podcast network what did I just listen to? Oh, f- this game! This game is this game is just bullshit now. Oh my gosh! I actually, they actually made me feel uncomfortable. What was it? Panty? What? The game has gone to bullshit. Panty melted. <sighs>
Why do we record these during the middle of games? Oh, God. Be sure to listen to Corey and I every Monday. We are your go-to source for the Arizona Coyotes on the Hockey Podcast Network.